Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Let's get it, Tarek heads or tails. We're back flipping coins and I'm flipping tails. What's it going to be? Actually, it's tails. All right, let's go. I want the ball. All right, Tarek. As we know, DeAndre Swift was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles over the weekend for a fourth and a seventh round pick. And now you have the opportunity to buy him for, mm, let's say, the seventh pick in the 2023 rookie draft. Are you doing it or not? Uh, no, I am not. I'm actually a DeAndre Swift fan. I'm a fan of his talent. Uh, I'm happy that he was able to get out of Detroit uh, post-drafting Gibbs 12th overall. But uh, I do think if you were holding that Swift bag uh, through the tumult uh, of, over the weekend... Um, you have an opportunity to sell Swift uh, now, and that's what I would be doing. So if you can get him for the pick that would back into like a Jordan Addison or uh, one of those receivers that went into the first round, or if you can sell him for a 2024 first, or if you can pivot out uh, to like a Zach Charbonnet plus, uh, these are moves that I would be making. So despite my historical love for DeAndre Swift, I'm taking this opportunity uh, to sell high um, just in case it doesn't work out in Philly, which I think is possible. Well, Tark, not the answer I was expecting. I might have to check your temperature for rookie fever. Trey, do you feel the same way? Actually, I do feel the same way. And you guys know how much I've loved DeAndre Swift over the years. I, I do appreciate that he's getting this second chance at life, the second chance of value in Philly. I think the seventh pick in the first round of this draft is a little bit too high. So I'm I'm in lockstep with Tarek here. Uh, he's going to be sharing that backfield with Penny and Gainwell. So it's going to be a committee. I think he can definitely be effective, but my price point for Swift is probably lower. It's probably more like a late first, and then I'm interested. Okay, I was I was going to follow this up. I mean, there has to be a point, right? So let's kick the can a little farther. Where do we where do we draw the line? The 11th 11, pick? 111, uh, 12th pick, that's fine with me. Yeah, if if like I'm on the clock... And my top nine picks go one through nine, and I have one ten. Then I would consider on a contending tra- team trading away one ten for DeAndre Swift. I think that's where it where it's at for me. It's fair enough, guys. All right. Well, again, not the direction I thought we were going to go. You you two have been Swift boys for so long. That's why I. Oh, I'm just surprised. Yeah, I mean for the. 36 hours or whatever between Gibbs being drafted 12th overall and Swift being traded. Um, I was only holding the Swift bag in one league and I was trying to trade for Swift everywhere else with low ball offers. Oh, wasn't able to get it done. But again, now that he moved, you know, this is like top three outcomes for Swift in terms of teams that he could have landed on for his perceived value. Definitely. And now that he's there, I'm, I'm truly looking to get out. Um, so yeah, looks like we're, we're all on the same page. Are you even playing dynasty? If you weren't sending low ball offers for Swift, the second they drafted Gibbs. (laughs) And what's funny is a lot of them were not declined until after uh, the Eagles trade happened. So a lot of people were like, Ooh, should I get out for two ten? I was like, do it, do it. Yeah. What the fuck 
is going on, everyone? Welcome into episode 85 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshwia. And with me today, getting back to a little bit of, you know, the rhythm we have been in with Trey Cryan and Mitch Yates, obviously already missing John Alexander, but he'll be back soon. Trey, what's going on, man? I just resisted the urge to say who after you mentioned John Alexander, who? because <laughs> who? That's, that's all we were saying last episode, but uh, it was a fun one. Uh, it's good to be on the other side of the NFL draft. I think this will be a uh, an interesting episode, dig into our reaction, so won't steal too much of the uh, the thunder there for the preamble. Um, don't really know what else to say. You got it, Mitch. What's up with you, man? <laughs> Kick it to Mitch. What's up, Mitch? What's up, guys? Uh, I loved watching the first day of the draft, and I didn't I didn't watch the next two days, but I caught up on all of it. But I absolutely loved seeing Rasheed Rice go to the Chiefs in the second round for for personal personal reasons, of course. I, I can't wait yeah, to man. see where Jordan goes next year. SMU's just churning out those wide receivers, so... Yeah, man, it, it was a fun time. It was a little sad to see my guy Hyatt drop, but we'll get into that later, won't we? Yeah, and and it's funny that you brought up the uh, the Eagles in the uh, coin toss there. So just a, a peek behind the curtain here for the listeners. I don't necessarily know what's coming with the uh, coin toss beforehand, but uh, you know, I knew we were going to obviously talk about the NFL draft today, and I was planning on talking about how Howie Roseman and the Eagles just absolutely crushed this draft in like real and every year terms. yeah like especially this one though i mean they addressed needs all over that defense they got Jalen carter at pick nine after he slid a little bit and in real nfl terms getting deandre swift for essentially a fourth round pick is amazing so you know tip of the cap to the eagles well done yeah they just the rich keep getting richer they're the eagles are a force to be reckoned with so good on yeah. them shout out to howie roseman um, maybe the most valuable person in the NFL right now in terms of like the value he is bringing to a single franchise. So yeah, uh, as a Cowboys fan, obviously hate to see it, but um, love to see good things for Jalen Hurts. So we'll, we'll rest our hat there. All right, let's jump into the main content of this episode. We are going to be reacting to the NFL draft. Uh, so specifically for Dynasty, over the next two episodes, we will be reacting to each of the four positions and the various landing spots uh, that these rookies in the 2023 class ended up in. This week, we will be re reacting to the backs, uh, so the quarterbacks and the running backs. Then next episode, we will talk about the pass catchers. couple of caveats here uh, before we get started. The first is this is kind of a reaction episode. So, you know, rather than kind of getting into these players' analytic profiles, their tape, et cetera, like we have been over the last four or five episodes, we'll mostly be reacting to where these players landed, you know, what kind of opportunity they have in these particular offenses. And then the second caveat I have is about the market. So, a lot of times on the Long Game Dynasty podcast, we talk about the broader dynasty market. So whether that's keep trade cut, DLF, dynasty ADP, um, Adeco's ADP, we kind of like to conglomerate three or four sources so we have an idea of what the broader dynasty market is and where the arbitrage opportunities are, where the buys and sells are, et cetera. We are exactly 
two days after the end of the 2023 NFL draft. So the data we have on the market for these rookies is really, really young and probably pretty unreliable. So when we're talking about the values of these players for this episode and next episode, we will mostly be talking about them in terms of how they are slotted in relationship to each other in our own evaluations. And then as we get more into the summer, a little bit more data behind those rookie drafts and those startup drafts, we'll start you know, talking more about the broader dynasty market and where these rookies fall into that. So just wanted to start off with those couple of caveats as we get into this episode and the next episode. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this first half and let's start with in Superflex, the most important position, and that is the quarterback. So at first overall, as it has been expected over the last month or two, Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama, went to the Panthers. Mitch, what are your initial reactions to this landing spot, et cetera, et cetera? Well, yeah, there's no surprises here. This is this is what we expected to happen. So we had a little runway for this. So I think that his uh, landing spot, it being that it was expected, his quarterback ranking on keep trade cut is stable at nine. That didn't move at all, and I don't expect it to either. Um, it just got me thinking more about like expectations going into this year. And now that he's there, let's look what's around him. And honestly, it's pretty bad. Adam Thielen, DJ Shark, Terrace Marshall, Visca Chenault, like. I guess there's some Mingo truthers out there, but it's not it's not looking great for for year one. So they didn't really address that a whole lot. So, you know, uh, I think that might be why he is starting to fall from that 102 spot where we expected him to be. But that also has to do with uh, somebody else that was taken. So, yeah, I mean, it's no no news is good news for Bryce Young. I guess this is. uh Yeah. So, so Mitch, a question with that. Are you seeing him slide a little bit from the um, QB1 in this rookie class? I think with Anthony Richardson being taken by the Colts, uh, it's opened the door now for uh, like Richardson to take over the 102 spot in rookie drafts or even be in the conversation for the 101. So uh, in the most recent uh, Superflex draft I was in, I, I actually just finished a rookie draft. Um, the Target Hogs, uh, Discord guys are uh very fast to start things so they we did this off the rip and anthony richardson was the number two pick in that already nice nice yeah and so leading up to this uh this weekend what i had heard from uh kind of other commentary was essentially like in a one qb dynasty league like anthony richardson could go ahead and be your first quarterback overall because he had more of that top six upside than any of the other two quarterbacks in this class whereas like in your super flex rookie draft it should be Bryce Young as the first quarterback off the board I think I I agree with that logic and I kind of get where that's coming from and obviously you know where that's the the basis for that is essentially you've got 24 useful quarterbacks in a super flex league versus you know really only like the six or seven uh that are on contending rosters in a one QB league so it, it is a little bit different math there um, I, I think we've pretty much said it though with Bryce Young. This doesn't really change much uh, for me either. Uh, I mean, he's still at the top of the uh, the rookie class here for me. Yeah, I think like Mitch said, it's not really new news. I think in terms of c- confirmation that he is in Carolina with Frank Reich, with uh, the lacking 
pass catchers that he has. Um, we're going to see him start week one, almost certainly. Um, oh, so we'll to. get an idea of, you know, how he does very early. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I think we'll save some of the conversation about Anthony Richardson to when we get there, because I think for a lot of people, that's going to be the choice right behind Bijan Robinson. So let's move over to the second overall pick. Um, maybe a little bit surprising going into the weekend. Uh, I believe the last time we recorded, Trey said to me and Mitch, I'm going to laugh when Will Levis is not the second overall pick because y'all have already penciled him in there. And me and Mitch were like, yeah, I mean, betting favorite looks like he's like minus 400 to go second overall. Yeah, I actually said I sharpied him in. But, sure? uh, yeah, lo- yeah. Lo-, lo and behold, by the time we got about an hour away from the draft, CJ Stroud went to about minus 4,000 to go second overall. So it was telegraphed hmm. by the time the books closed. But the Texans picked him at second overall and then traded up to third overall to get their guy that everybody thought would go there, uh, Will Anderson. This is a long preamble, Trey, but CJ Stroud going into the process was your QB1. How are you feeling now? I think this is a good reminder about what to expect during the rookie draft season. It's called the silly season for a reason. It's just teams and GMs and player agents making up uh, media stories, making up news, uh, giving ESPN and these other websites something to talk about for the weeks and months leading up to the draft. I mean, all we heard was commentary about how CJ Stroud, you know, his S2 cognitive score was like, one of the lowest on record. Uh, you know, there was all this noise about how he was going to fall out of the top five, maybe the top 10 picks. Uh, and then, you know, he was drafted by the Houston Texans in the, um, at pick number two, that's essentially where, you know, most of us thought he should have gone, uh, months ago. So honestly, in the big debate between Bryce Young, CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, I have them all in a super tight tier. I think they should all go, uh, picks two, three, and four in your rookie drafts. Um, I mean, there's obviously like pros and cons to each of them. I still believe in Stroud's upside uh, because he is the best passer out of the three with the best passing production from college. Uh, I think the landing spot in Houston obviously isn't great because it's not going to be a very good team, but I am excited to see what that uh, coaching staff coming from San Francisco can bring to the table. I think we'll see a lot of those Shanahan concepts and some of the things that helped Jimmy G kind of develop into a capable starter. So I'm hoping that Stroud can follow a similar, if not much better trajectory than Jimmy G. And, and yeah, I think if you can get him as the fourth overall pick in your rookie drafts, I think that's great value. And I honestly, I stand by it. I don't have a problem with him going at a uh, one Oh two whatsoever. One Oh two. My, okay. Um, yeah, he's my one Oh four. I, uh, I agree though. Like one Oh four is a really good place to be in the rookie draft because you just get absolutely whichever quarterback makes it to you. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was the right pick. The Texans made the right move and I, you know, tip my hat and then they come in hot and then trade away all their picks and come back into the draft. And, but aside from all that, you know, I have the same concerns that I have with Bryce young, as far as uh, a fantasy perspective, I'm not expecting CJ Stroud to have a top 15 season either. Uh, points per game with Robert Woods, Nico Collins, and John Mechie. So, you know, uh, we're going to have to have patience with both of these guys. And bringing back the Anthony Richardson thing, I, I think that's another reason why he's more attractive is because not only is he, like, potentially a top-five quarterback, 
But he's going to do that right away because who gives a shit who he's passing it to? We, we know where he's getting his fantasy points from. So um, I think being patient with C.J. Stroud, being really happy with getting him in the fourth pick or the or the third or, or wherever. There's a lot of rookie drafts I'm in where one person will have two top five picks, right? Uh, I'm in a couple of drafts like that. I see in all of my leagues, there's like one manager who's been rebuilding for a year that has a couple top five picks. I think in that situation, I'm definitely more liable to like, if I have, for instance, pick three and five, I'll take at three who I like out of JSN or Gibbs more. And then at four or five, you know, assuming there's like a player, uh, somebody picking between me at four, I'll take Gibbs knowing that I then have five and let whatever quarterback falls to five fall there. Do y'all know what I'm saying? Like, I think if you're thinking like in terms of I only have pick four and I either, you know, go with the the third quarterback off the board or I go with Gibbs or JSN, then you have to make a decision based on your team. I personally think that Gibbs has more league winning upside than Stroud does even in a super flex league. And maybe that's a hot take. It doesn't seem like it's a hot take based on, you know, how early drafts are going and, and the kind of draft capital that Gibbs got, but keeping it with Stroud here, like Trey said, I'm really happy for him. I'm really happy that he was able to get that second overall draft capital after kind of the ringer that he's been through, which was complete bullshit. So, right. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add that context in like, play a little game theory depending on where you sit in your rookie draft like just because if you have two top five picks don't feel like you have to take your third rated overall player just because you're at three if you have a pick a couple points later yeah and a player that player or a different player could fall to you i, I just want to like remind oh, the listener of that yeah i get what you're saying because essentially you're saying you would much rather have gibbs than make the decision between your qbt your qb2 and your qb3 right yeah. so if if that way you can you know be sure that you get your favorite position player that's left at three and then at five you get whichever quarterback falls to you yeah that you're you're taking that game theory into account with your draft board yeah, even if you're at two overall and you have five, for instance, I love going Gibbs at two and then seeing which quarterback falls to you at five. So what this sounds like to me is that you have Gibbs considerably over JSN. Because like in order for this game theory to work, you have to value one of those skill position players higher than the other or else it's just kind yeah, of all a wash I here. With the 12th overall draft capital, I mean, we're going to talk about Gibbs later, but I... I will just let let me give the preview there. I do have Gibbs ranked over JSN in my final uh, rookie rankings. But let's move on. A guy that we have hinted at multiple times, Anthony Richardson, went fourth overall to the Colts. So, Mitch, like I said, we've been mentioning Anthony Richardson's name uh, a lot, but uh, it looks like he's going to be starting early, if not week one, based on what Ballard and um, the coaches are already saying about him, but additional reactions to Anthony Richardson at number four. Yeah, man, Minshew's not going to be the starter. Uh, Anthony Richardson was taken at four. He's he's going to be the starter there. Um, and this is the confirmation that we needed. Uh, the Colts are swinging for the fences, taking him there. And like I mentioned earlier, we should we ought to consider taking him first overall if uh, we're playing super flex here. And so I, I think no. He's, Firmly at the uh, the one oh two. Look, man, I 
we'll see, man. Like it, it, we're talking about a guy that might be a top five quarterback for a while. Um, it, it might sound silly right now, but look, like this—it's not silly. I'm just saying it's like when uh, it's it it holds to what I have been saying for the last month. If you have the first overall pick and you want Anthony Richardson or you want Bryce Young, trade back to two. If you do not want to do that, then or or excuse me, then draft Bijan Robinson and then go trade him for a quarterback. So right? for perspective here, I'm just saying that he's moving closer and closer to this conversation. I'm still taking Bijan, so I I know what you're saying, but he's inching himself closer to being the top player in the rookie draft, and so. Look, I, aside from from him, I, I don't like this for Pittman at, at all. Um, Trey, I know you don't love this for JT, Jonathan right. Taylor. Um, I am still kind of on the fence of how much I like or dislike this for JT because I think that obviously the Colts are going to run the ball quite a bit, uh, whether that's Richardson or JT. And who who's to say how it's going to play out for him? But I'll, I'll hand the ball off to you, Trey, and let you... Uh, I think it's extremely premature to pencil him in as a top five, top six quarterback at this point. I think that is definitely the upside with Anthony or with Anthony Richardson. I mean, obviously he needs to learn how to pass at the NFL level. Uh, so that's going to be a barrier to getting to that point. Um, and, and what can we expect for this year? Yeah, I do agree that like for expectation for year one, we're going to get those running points. So that's going to get him in that low end QB one, high end QB two range, maybe quicker than it will for uh young or Stroud. Right. So I'm, I'm with you with the year one expectation there, but there's a big gap between that and getting up to the top of the league with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes. Like he's got a long way to go to get there. One of the things that I really like about this Colts landing spot specifically though is this coaching staff coming from Philly? Shane Steichen, of course, was the main play caller for the Philadelphia Eagles last year, instrumental in Jalen Hurts' development, right? So you have to think that that calculus went into the decision-making here to get a run-first quarterback, mm -hmm. a seemingly flawed passer like Anthony Richardson. So I think that that uh, match, that marriage between this coaching staff and prospect is really, really positive. And I think, you know, I, I agree with you. This is a definitely wheels up for Anthony Richardson. I would not take him above Bijan. Let's be clear. What I said last week was if Anthony Richardson gets top five draft capital, I will struggle mightily between him and Bryce Young. Uh, the draft happened. He got top five draft capital. He went to the best situation of the top quarterbacks that were taken in the top five. Agreed. I have digested it over the last 48 hours. Anthony Richardson is pretty firmly my 102 now. Uh, just thinking in terms of non-game theory, very linear rankings. Anthony Richardson, 102. Because of the upside, because of exactly what Trey was just saying with the infrastructure around him. Um, so yeah, I I think like wheels up for him. Um, Michael Pittman and the rest of the Colts pass catchers, obviously you have to think that they take a little bit of a value hit here. Um, but if I, I'm going to be watching their market value and that goes as well for Josh Downs, uh, who was the Colts pick in the third round at wide receiver. If their value takes a big enough hit, I might still buy like just in case Richardson does figure it out or does lock in on one guy or something like that. Like even if he's not a great passer, like he could 
you know, give a 30% target share to one of these guys or something like that. So we just, we're not really good at projecting how situations are going to unfold, but I think the situation that Richardson finds himself in, uh, is going to be very productive for fantasy points with you there. All right. Well, uh, so those are the top three quarterbacks. You know, I, I feel like we, what day one did at the quarterback position was solidify that the top end of the 2023 rookie draft is really quite strong. After that, things, <laughs> you know, started to get a little bit dicey. But as we get into the other positions, we'll talk about that. But we had a really long wait between fourth overall and when the next quarterback went, which actually happened uh, at the beginning of day two, when Mitch's Tennessee Titans took boot cut Billy, Will Levi's, Will Levis, Wham Balam, whoa, boot cut Billy, 33rd overall Trey reactions to Mr. Billy Bootcut going to Tennessee. Well, let me tip my 10 gallon cap to you for that one. That was very well done. Um, uh, wow. Okay. Look, uh, Levis before the draft was not a particularly strong prospect. I think the reason that we liked him as a prospect was because he was projected to go in the top 10 of this draft and this big slide out of the first round definitely changes my evaluation of Will Levis by quite a bit. Uh, I don't think he's worth a first-round rookie pick anymore. I would start to think about him at the beginning of the second round. I've currently got him at the uh, 203 on my big board for 12-team drafts. And the main reason is, is there's just not a long history of upside coming from second-round picks at the quarterback position. And I want to give you guys some examples of what we've seen over the last couple of years out of the second round. So... Uh, I'll start with the good, right? So the upside here, the num- the best second round pick, of course, Jalen Hurts, right? Uh, but names after that, we've got Derek Carr, we've got Jimmy Garoppolo, we've got Geno Smith. And if you go all the way back to 2011, you've got Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick. So that's the good, right? The bad, you've got Kyle Trask, Drew Locke, Deshaun Kaiser, Christian Hackenberg, Brock Osweiler. Like it is a murderer's row of, of booms and busts. So I would say 50, 50 chance at best that you're getting Jimmy G out of Will Levis. Okay. So there's not a ton of upside and there's a pretty high boom bust potential here. I would not want to spend a late first round pick on, uh, that sort of prospect at this point. Just want to, I want to hone in on this stat though. I want to clarify that the 33rd overall pick is, is one pick away from a normal first round pick. So you know, he's a second round pick by a by a smidge. So, uh, yeah, but I, I think there's there's a reason, especially like contract wise, that we distinguish between first and second round. There was not a team willing to jump up to the end of the first in order to secure Will Levis and the fifth round option. Right? Not even so, the Titans. Right. I, I, yeah, right. I think that's why it's worth you know maybe with other kinds of like round breaks, like between round two and three, we can we can be a little bit more live in the gray there, but between one and two, there's like some legitimate reasons as to why a team might think about jumping up there. I mean, that's fair, but you get my point as well. And I also view him about the same like value that you do, Trey. I have him at one or the 12th pick in the first round. So right around the same area, I look at it more like I'm pretty sure you're getting the Titans starting quarterback in 2024. So, you know, it's a safe pick as far as value insulation goes, because 
look like Tannehill's 34 uh the, the wheels might fall off the titans they might have one last push who knows how they're going to be but what this draft signaled to me was that the new gm is building some infrastructure taking some offensive tackles and uh getting his quarterback of the future so you know i i, I do I do think that getting your quarterback late here might be a good value. He might be good. We do, yeah, and, we don't and I hear what you're saying about building the infrastructure, and I agree. I think other than you know this pick, there was some like positive things that we saw in Tennessee with building some you know offensive linemen and pass catchers like uh, to add to that offense. I guess they didn't really address the wide receiver position, but that's not the point. Nope. Uh, what I want to get at here is the fact that I don't see a lot of upside in this valuation with him going as a late first round today right because i mean talk think about these guys that i mentioned like Derek carr jimmy g like geno smith like all of those guys have never really like gotten much higher than like a late first rounder in value anyway right so like you don't have to make that bet today if that's the sort of upside that you're getting with levis like let somebody else take that bet and if he puts himself in a position where he is the starter next year which like maybe he will maybe he won't then you can spend a future like late first on him at that point. I just it I don't see really any upside in a late first in in Will Levis. Yeah, it's basically just kicking the can because I agree with you there. I think his value just kind of stays neutral. But let's not forget that uh, Malik Willis is bad and that Tannehill might get hurt, and then you have a fucking starting quarterback here in. 2023 so right and and how high is his value gonna go up if those two or three events happen and he is the starter you know like is it really gonna get that much higher than a late first anyway i mean the man runs so it's it's entirely possible yeah i i hear what trey is saying and in terms of like even if he does get the starting job not a lot of contingent upside to where you can cash out um so if he's not bringing a lot of upside immediately he's not bringing a lot of long-term contingent upside i can see uh, where Trey's coming from. I have him currently ranked as my 16th overall player, so that's at pick 204. All right, let's move on to the next quarterback here, and that is Hendon Hooker, who went in the beginning of the third round, 68th overall so close. to the Detroit Lions. Mitch, Hendon Hooker, we were thinking this could be like a guy that goes as high as 20th overall. Um, lo and behold, he falls to the third round. Uh, how are you valuing him now? Yeah, that sucks, man, because uh, now now I'm feeling kind of like John was last episode where uh, might never started down. No, I, I think it's a I think it's a fine landing spot for him. Honestly, there's no pressure for him to start right away. Uh, Goff isn't exactly a destroyer of worlds. So, you know, this theoretically could be Hooker's team moving forward or he could just be a backup. Um, but He's going right now, I'd, I'd say, in the, the middle of the second round of rookie drafts. And I I don't know. That might, too damn high. might be too a, little, damn high. a little too damn high. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't love it. Like, we, we thought, we heard during silly season that he might be a first-round pick. That didn't happen. He slid. So he's pretty much off my radar. Yeah, agreed. I, I think I said before the draft that he was probably a 50 50 chance like a coin flip to go at the end of the first round obviously that came up tails uh he's one of the biggest sliders on my big board uh from following the draft i went from a low first round grade on hooker to a high third on hooker um i already read off all those names for second round picks like how best case you know 50 50 chance you're getting jimmy g that math is a lot worse for third round picks, right? So I don't think that you should be thinking about Hooker 
even if you have a need at the quarterback position before, you know, the very, very end of the second at the earliest. I mean, we saw this last year with guys like Ritter and Willis and all those other third round quarterbacks. Matt Corral. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the sort of upside that you're getting with, with hooker going in the third. Yeah. I, I think you could, I've got him like at my 25th player on my big board post draft. I think you could easily talk 36, 37, 38 players ahead of Hendon hooker, uh, given this slide. All right. Um, so before we move on to the running backs in the second half, let's talk some honorable mentions. I don't know if there's one or two quarterbacks uh, that went after the third round that you think are worth putting on dynasty managers radars. Uh, Mitch, you got one for us? I got a, I got a spicy one. Yeah. Stetson Bennett out of Georgia. I actually national champion Stetson Bennett for you. Yeah. Sir, uh, yeah, I, I actually just drafted him at the eighth pick in the third round of a 14 team league, so uh, it was at 32, 32 overall. Which, I, I uh, yeah, I ain't math, I ain't math, man. Uh, but yeah, so it's not like we're talking a crazy early pick here, but I do think this guy, although he's old, I think he's 25, has a uh reasonable shot to uh, at least get some playing time this year or next uh, Stafford like he got hurt last year and we're not sure where he is so McVeigh likes him as the backup I mean we let or they let Baker go so at this late uh, a shot at a starting quarterback is good enough for me so go get Stetson Bennett I guess Trey I'm surprised because I would have thought that Stetson Bennett could have made a killing selling insurance in Athens, Georgia. So I'm pretty surprised that he decided uh, to go into the NFL here. But uh, do you have any additional context on uh, Mr. Bennett? Uh, no, no. Look, I, I for honorable mentions here, I don't think that it makes a whole lot of sense to consider any of these quarterbacks uh, that went after the third round. So that includes Bennett, fourth round and beyond. Um but look, I mean, in your rookie draft, sometimes you end up with fourth round, fifth round picks, sometimes, you know, priority free agent ads that can go in your taxi squad. I get it. It makes sense. My honorable mention is Aiden O'Connell, who also went in the fourth round quarterback from Purdue, who went to the Las Vegas Raiders. Jimmy G has had a lot of issues staying healthy. They don't really have a lot of other quarterbacks on the roster. I think they have got a Hoyer. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, there's an opportunity that he could see a value bump and maybe you can offload that fourth round pick for a future second later on down the road. I don't really know much about the player at all other than, you know, he's a very flawed prospect. Uh, so this is really entirely based on the situation and potential fourth round dart throw. All right. Sounds good. Uh, there's a couple others that went later in the draft. Uh, there's Coon. Yeah. There's the kid out of BYU. Uh, Jaron Hall. Yeah, Jaron Hall. I forget all their names, but you know, these are players that, like Trey said, once you get to like the fifth round, maybe worth spending uh, a pick or a UDFA, put them in your taxi squad, see if you can get a second round pick later. All right, let's kick off this second half. Mike, check. It is halftime. But also, it's not halftime. We're going to go right into the second half here because we have a lot of names to get through with these running backs. First, Trey, Bijan Robinson went eighth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. Seemed like a reasonably likely outcome going into 
the draft weekend. But now that we know he's a top 10 pick and that he's on the Atlanta Falcons with that really effective Arthur Smith running scheme, how you feeling? Top 10 draft capital was not guaranteed for Bijan Robinson. So this actually is a big signal. Uh, there was some talk that he could fall all the way out of the first round, uh, potentially as a high second round pick. Obviously, that is not what happened. Uh, he went number eight overall to Atlanta. He is my locked in rookie 101. He's my locked in dynasty RB1 overall. Uh, as I've said before on this pod, uh, what I'm interested to see in Atlanta is just how Arthur Smith and uh, that offense overall just develops uh, Bijan and the other uh, playmakers around him. And it, it all comes down to me to uh, Desmond Ritter. Like if they can hit at the quarterback position this year, that offense could be very fun, very fast. Oh, yeah. And you know who's going to open it up for Desmond Ritter? That's Bijan fucking Robinson, man. Arthur Smith loves that running back opening up the play action. And, dude, if this guy's on Henry's level, which uh, I hear Bijan's pretty good, you know, th this could really help out Ritter develop, especially with guys like London. Like, they're putting good pieces there. The Atlanta Falcons are uh, doing some sexy moves. There's some great fucking pieces around Ritter. It, this... They're giving him every chance to succeed. Yeah, I, I like taking long shot plus 400 plus 500 bets on the Falcons to win the division. I don't think it's going to happen. That's why it's plus 500. Um, but I'm, I'm putting some money down there. Quick question re uh, regarding Bijan Robinson in startups uh, right now on keep trade cut. He is the ninth overall player in Superflex leagues. That is one spot ahead of Lamar Jackson, two no. spots ahead of Justin Fields. Do y'all think that's too high? Yeah. Lamar Jackson. Okay, we know how Mitch feels. Trey, what are you thinking? Lamar Jackson or Bijan Robinson? I don't, in the I don't have a problem with it. I'm cool with it. Okay. All right. All right. I will take Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, but I think right after that is where Bijan Robinson should slot in ahead of AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, CD Lamb, etc. Yeah, I've been offered Fields for Bijan several times, and that's where I've drawn the line in the sand. Like that is the moment that I draw the line. Fields is just a smidge above Bijan, but I would respect the other. So it's it's right there. All right. So moving on a little bit past the chalk uh, to Jameer Gibbs, and like Trey said. Bijan Robinson wasn't a lock to go top 10. Well, Jameer Gibbs sure as shit wasn't a, a lock to go top 15. This surprised everybody. Jameer Gibbs 12th overall to the Lions. There were reports that if the Lions didn't take him, the Jets were gearing up to take him next, oh, which no. would have been absolutely wild. I don't know if that's just part of silly season and how Detroit was trying to kind of retroactively justify the insane pick that they made here. But divorcing how I feel about positional value in the real NFL as a dynasty asset. This makes Jameer Gibbs very fucking enticing. Mitch, how, how are you processing this? Well, the lions might be stupid ass idiots, but you got to love the draft cap for Gibbs. Uh, Monty and Gibbs are like the brand new thunder and lightning, the, the smash and dash, if you will. I, I love it for fantasy for both of them. Uh, I think their stocks are on the rise. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess, uh, let's get straight to it. I mean, we've had private conversations about Gibbs though. Uh, Tarek, you have him in your top five dynasty running backs, right? Uh, I, yeah. I think that's absolutely fine. Um, I think he's right there in the top six, like that, that second to the, to the elite tier, like that almost there tier. Um, he, he's just, he's got the cap. He's got the skill wheels up, man. 
yeah, I don't have any issue with him at RB5 or RB6, uh, especially after what we just saw with uh, Kenneth Walker in the uh, Seahawks backfield. Uh, this isn't a ton of movement for Gibbs in my rookie ranks. I did move him up from 106 to 105 on my big board ahead of Jackson Smith and Ajigba. Mm-hmm. I think where this is more significant is in the value of the 105 in general and the value of yep. Jameer Gibbs in the wider market because this is huge, huge for his dynasty value, like you guys already said. Uh, 12th overall DC is like way better than I think anybody could have expected for Gibbs. So if we can just temper expectations a little bit, I mean, we saw with Detroit, you know, they didn't really know how to get the most value out of Swift, even though they gave him a ton of opportunities uh, in the passing game. I mean, I mean maybe that's Gibbs is better. Maybe Gibbs is better, right? So maybe we'll we'll see some improvement there. Uh, Monty may still be annoying. May, this may be a committee no matter what. But you got to think that like with Gibbs profile, you were signing up for a committee anyway, no matter where mm-hmm, he right, went, right? Mm-hmm. So um, not much else to say there. Uh, firmly my fifth overall rookie pick right now. Yeah, the only context I will add here is Jared Goff is pretty consistently in the top three to five quarterbacks year over year in terms of checking down Loves the ball. That shit. So very excited for Jameer Gibbs. Um, I personally do not have a problem with anybody taking him 102 in Superflex. Um, I wouldn't do it if it, if all I had was 102. But you'd but be I in don't the corner clapping going, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I think he's got very clear paths to league winning upside. All right. Now we get into the heartbreak. The third running back that went off the board was out of UCLA. Senior Zach Charbonnet went 52nd overall to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, The entire dynasty community punched square in the gut uh, when this pick came through. Uh, My brother-in-law, who is a Seahawks fan, when that happened, I immediately texted him. Fuck Pete Carroll, man. (laughs) (laughs) But... You know, the hurt has worn off a little bit. So I guess, you know, we can try to analyze this for Dynasty. Trey, kicking it to you, Zach Charbonnet process, a backfield shared with Kenneth Walker. Right. So Zach Charbonnet was my 11th overall player on my big board pre-draft. I moved him up one spot because Will Levis fell out of the first round for me. So he's not jumping up a bunch. And it's because I hate the landing spot. I mean, he's now clearly the RB2 uh, to Ken Walker. So we can't expect that he's going to come in and, and command that backfield in the first year. It's going to be a committee at best, right? Now there's things to like about Charbonnet. We we like the the seven yards per carry and, and on average in college. We like his high burst score, 78th percentile. Uh, so I do think he slots in as a high end handcuff immediately mm-hmm. with RB1 upside if Walker were to miss any time, which he could miss some time for sure. Yeah. Uh, we see that happen with running backs every year. So to me, this comes down to what do you do if you're sitting there in your rookie draft at the 10 spot in the first round? So if you've got 1.10, I would honestly, I, I kind of see a big tier break between those four first round wide receivers and, and that I think should go, you know, like uh, six through nine. And then who the fuck do you take at 10 here, right? So Charbonnet, I think <laughs> is the top of this second tier for me, but honestly, you should probably start putting out feelers now to see if you can trade out of pick 1.10 in case one of those top nine players doesn't fall to you at that pick. So I just think he's a tier below 
uh, those other players. It's not a bad consolation prize if that's ultimately who you have to go with at 1.10, but there's probably better value plays that you could make with that first round pick. Yeah, he's right at the bottom there. Uh, he just went at the 11th pick in the draft I was in behind Zay Flowers and Dalton Kincaid. And mm-hmm. I honestly, I'm okay with that. But, yeah. you know, the oof felt around the world with this pick has has chilled out a little bit with me because, man, I will say this. The offense has got some serious firepower behind Geno now with JSN, now the running backs for days. And they still got yeah. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So like it looks like it's gonna be a top ten offense. We got a sure. we and, got a wagon. And if you plug in Charbonnet, dude. I, I take I take exception with calling any offense led by Geno Smith as a potential wagon. Like I get yeah. it. Like <laughs> like there's a lot of other great playmakers there, but you still ultimately have Geno Smith driving that wagon. Yeah, fair enough. Um still a wagon, whether he's driving it or not. Well, I I disagree a little bit with Trey, in terms of, I think there's a huge tier break between 109 and 110, assuming that those, you know, four receivers go 106 to 109. It maybe there's a tier break there, but if there is, then Zach Charbonnet is in a tier of his own, in my opinion. Like, I would personally much rather have Zach Charbonnet than Dalton Kincaid, agreed, or the players behind him. Um, here's my feeling after what Mitch called the oof felt around the world happened um, and I processed it for a little bit, I think I'm probably going to be pretty in on Zach Charbonnet Mm -hmm. at value. Um, I'm really worried about Kenneth Walker guys. And it's not because I think Zach Charbonnet is better than Kenneth Walker. Like I think Kenneth Walker is definitely a better running back, but what are Kenneth Walker's deficiencies? He is not a great pass catcher. At least he did not demonstrate that in college or in the first year of his NFL in terms of his effectiveness as a pass catcher. Zach Charbonnet has a pretty good pass catching profile as a college back. Zach Charbonnet also seen as dependable in pass protection. Zach Charbonnet also a good amount bigger than Kenneth Walker. BMI, not too different, but in terms of just physical size, Zach Charbonnet profiles maybe a little bit more as a goal line back than Walker. So... I think there's a situation here, a potential situation. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I think this is a reasonably likely outcome that Zach Charbonnet actually becomes the high value touch guy in the running back room in Seattle. He becomes the third down guy, the pass protection guy, the goal line guy. And then you have Kenneth Walker grinding between the twenties because that's what he's very good at. So this is a big ding to Kenneth Walker and not, a huge ding to Zach Charbonnet's overall value going like coming out of the draft, even though obviously I would have liked to see Charbonnet go to, you know, the chiefs or the Bengals or something like that and leave Kenneth Walker the fuck alone, but that's not how it happened. And so my reaction to this again, hurt Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet. I'm intrigued. I, I, I like that too. I haven't really thought about it from that perspective. You know, I, I think that, most of us have been thinking about like Charbonnet's value. So I like that you flipped that on Kenneth Walker. Um, I think that it's going to, I'm going to hedge here. I I really think that they're just going to work in tandem and neither of them are going to be like necessarily like top 10 backs, but you could very easily have like two top 15 backs in these guys. 
It could happen. I mean, I agree with the idea that this is bad for Kenneth Walker's value. I think it's undoubtedly like a downward arrow for his his stock. Um, I mean, at this point, you're kind of banking on Charbonnet missing time for Walker to reach that, you know, top six potential, which we kind of believed that he had before this move, um, which let's be honest, that was already somewhat questionable because of the deficiencies in the pass catching, like you mentioned. Yeah. All right, uh, let's keep moving here. The fourth running back that went off the board was in the third round at 71st overall. The TCU Horned Frog, Kendra Miller, went to the Saints. Um, So a little bit of a surprise, at least for me, that Kendra Miller went this high. I think on NFL Mock Draft Database, he was more like a fourth round projected pick. So uh, the Saints decided to make him the fourth running back off the board at 71st overall. Mitch, Kendra Miller was a guy that early on in the evaluation process, I was a little bit down on because we didn't necessarily have any um, athletic data on him, but also not a huge pass catching profile either. But throughout the process, I started rising because I think I started realizing that just because we don't have the testing numbers doesn't mean he's not an explosive athlete. Um, So what do you think about Kendra Miller as the third round pick to the Saints? Yeah. During our process, during our running back episode, I projected him about like a fifth round rookie. So this is definitely a good bump for him. And the landing spot, though, it's just it's a little weird since the Saints just signed Jamal Williams to a a three year deal. I I get that Alvin Kamara is dealing with the potential suspension, but he's only 27 and he's still named Alvin Kamara. So, you know, I. I just saw Kendra Miller go pick 15 in a rookie draft, and that's just like way, 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 way too high for me. Um, I don't really. I have him 13th yeah. on my big board. Well, so. yeah, I have him 16th, so I'm right there actually. So yeah, I I'm not. I I don't know. I didn't really. I wasn't really into him beforehand, and I think he just kind of falls behind in this committee. But sounds like you guys have a different opinion for the Texas Christian Horn God. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was uh, I was pretty low on him uh, pre-draft. I had him as like a high third round pick. Uh, he's now my 16th player on my board, like I mentioned. So that's like a mid to early second. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the landing spot here, there's it's an, an ambiguous backfield by my view. Uh, Jamal Williams, while he had an awesome year last year in Detroit, he has been inconsistent over the course of his entire career. I think we can look at last year as sort of an outlier for him in terms of what to expect year to year for Jamal Williams. And then, yeah, if Alvin Kamara misses significant time, then Kendra Miller only has to beat out Jamal Williams to get uh, reps early on in his rookie year. So uh, I like the landing spot from that perspective. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's four guys here. There's four running backs that were picked in the third round. Uh, Miller, probably of the four of them, moved up the most on my board. Yeah, same here. Like I said, he's 13th overall on my board, so I'm a little bit aggressive on Kendra Miller compared to the market. Um, I think this means this signals that the saints are bracing for an alvin Kamara suspension and i'm i'm pretty sure kendry miller is going to get opportunity early um lest jamal williams handle 25 touches per game for the first six weeks or something like that so um that that's a player i want to i want to make a bet on uh somebody who could be explosive with the ball in his hands and get the ball in his hands pretty early in his career all right Uh, Keeping us moving here on to the next running back that was picked, and that was from Tulane, Tajay Spears, also went in the third round, 81st overall, to the Tennessee Titans. Trey, 
Uh, how did you feel about this pick? Well, with, with Ty J Spears coming from the small school to Lane, there was definitely concerns he was going to be a day three pick. So I think it's good signal. He did go in the third. Uh, he didn't move up for much for me. Uh, of course, there was the news that came out about like the missing ACL, which is kind of weird. Like, why <laughs> why did that come out immediately after he was drafted? That didn't make yeah. sense to me. But Found somebody it. was keeping it really quiet. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, but he's he's stuck in that mid second round rookie pick range for me right now. And again, the landing spot going to Tennessee, it's not great. But Derrick Henry is 29 years old, and uh, by all you know projection i think ty j spears should win the rb2 job based on who else is there uh i do have kendra miller a spot ahead of spears in my rank even though i was much higher on spears pre-draft um i mainly the reason for that is i think miller got the better draft capital by like 10 spots in the third round and then i just i like the new orleans uh landing spot better than uh tennessee i just think it's a more ambiguous backfield than what ty j spears is dealing with with derrick henry in front of him yeah, this is such a confusing situation because, I mean, we even said this in our rookie preview that he has a better burst score than Bijan, and he has a 39-inch vertical, and, a, like, the dude's a bursty boy, and, and he did this on one leg. Like, the no ACL arthritis issue in the knee, I, I don't know how to read the situation. Obviously, yeah. I'm not a doctor, but... I've seen running backs with arthritis just disappear off the map. Todd Gurley, anyone? Um, I just, when you have something degenerative going on in your knee as a running back, I am both feet out the door. And so I want to root for this guy, especially, you know, he's on my team, but I would have wanted to root for him anyway. But I don't think that I can convince myself like the Titans did, that this is a safe pick or a pick worth taking. The the news about the knee does frighten me. Like I'm not I, I try not to be scared off by injury because I am not a doctor, like Mitch said. None of us are doctors. But uh not having an ACL in one knee or cartilage seems like an issue. Yeah, like uh but the it didn't it didn't bother the Titans, right? So I just think because of my hesitancy there, I will likely be priced out of Tajay Spears. But if he makes it to the late second, like 20, 21st overall, then okay, I I will I will spend that low opportunity cost to draft him. Yeah, that's fair. Like if he falls, sure, but I sure as shit am not gonna be taking him early or at cost. Gotcha. All right, and moving on to the next third round running back here, and that was a TLG favorite, I think. Uh, Devon A-Chain, 84th overall. That's a Marl's to, favorite too, baby. Yeah, maybe one of, if not the best, like our most highly anticipated running back spots in uh, day two, and that was the Miami Dolphins. So, yeah, uh, Mitch, how are you feeling about uh, the small boy, Devon A-Chain? Uh, here in Miami. The, the fastest running back in the class heads to Miami to join the other fast boys in Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. And Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Yeah, that yeah is it's a, a real shame offense. the wide receivers are so slow because that that <laughs> running back room is fast as shit, man. But this is going to be a really fun offense to watch in the Mike McDaniel episode, too. Um, I yeah. just, I like the landing spot. I was high on A-Chain. I have him a smidge behind Sharbs at the uh, the 12th pick in the first round. I love it. I want some more of it. You know, you know the song. 
So the reason I did cool on A-Chain a little bit from our rookie running back pod was just having a, another look at the potential upside with, uh, you know, guys that are his size, like his weight. Uh, I mean, it's not really, um, it does not project well, but I, I think the speed is kind of an outlier and I think the situation could not be better. I mean, I do kind of worry a little bit that we're falling into this trap with guys like yeah. uh, Ty Davis Price, you know, they're like third yeah. round running backs that went to the Shanahan system over the past couple of years. But so far, man, I'm falling for it. Like I've actually I'm got in, him baby. as my, my 11th player <laughs> on my board right now. I would take him in the, in the late first. Yeah, he is my 11th player as well. Uh, I have him right ahead of Dalton Kincaid, who we'll talk about on the next episode. But yeah, I mean, Mike McDaniel looked at Kyle Shanahan from across the country and said, hold my beer, bro. Um, I'm going to build like an exact replica of your system, but I'm going to do it with even faster players. Um, so yeah, I, I love this landing spot, but given that he is sub 190 pounds and we see running backs get hurt constantly in this system, I'm not going to lie and say, I don't have the stress parts here. Yeah, um, there's some risk. I'm worried. Sure. I'm worried about a chain. Uh, so, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to draft him at the end of the first round. I love it. I also do still have him behind Zach Charbonnet. It sounds like all of us just uh, are in lockstep there, just a smidge. Um, but yeah, wheels up. I mean, I, at, at the very least, it's going to be fun to watch him play uh, in Miami. All right, next guy, Tank Bigsby, 88th overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trey, uh, how are you feeling about the Debbie Darling going in the third round uh, to back up or perhaps be in a committee with Travis Etienne? Yeah, so, I mean, it definitely uh, moved him up my board. I moved him up from the mid-third to a late second-round grade. Uh, I don't really love him as a prospect. I mean, we saw him have a great breakout uh, his freshman year at Auburn, but then he kind of proceeded to get worse every year after that freshman year breakout, which sucks. Uh, but this late third draft capital is really cool. I do think that he should win the RB2 job behind Travis Etienne there in Jacksonville. The main competition uh, for RB2 is going to be Dernest Johnson uh, from Cleveland, who, you know, if Bigsby can't beat Dernest Johnson, then, you know, that's definitely a huge bust, a huge red flag. But we'll see what happens there. Dude, what is with the Dernest Johnson slander, man? I... I love Dearness Johnson. I, I think he is a good running back. Yeah, but. and I was excited when he was, you know, kind of penciled in as the RB2 before they brought in Bigsby. But, I mean, look, he's a third rounder coming out of the yeah. SEC. It, it's going to be a competition for sure. And we shouldn't be too surprised if the Jags get to training camp and they bring in one of these other veteran free agent RBs that are left on the market. So this ambiguous situation for the RB2 could get even murkier. So there's the round two wide receivers and there's the top four tight ends. I think I would rather have those guys before I took Tank Bigsby. But yeah, I think in the late second, uh, it's a decent value play. Yeah, I'm right with you there on Bank Tigsby. I I think the the landing spot's nice. I like the the like the power back aspect to Etienne's lightning, and uh, he went about that. Uh, he went. What is that pick? five in the second round of a 14 teamer so pick 19 overall yeah, yeah that's, that's a little that's bit a, higher than i would go that's higher than i would go as well I, it's about where i would take him I'm i a don't little know. bit higher than you guys on on bigsby just because once you get into that late second round mid second round i'm i'm 
most mostly going to try to take shots on handcuff running backs there. I like the Brian Robinson comp. I think, though, it could also be a Zamir White situation. So that's kind of what happens at this point in the in the draft here, right? So when I say the round two wide receivers, I'm talking about guys like Rashi Rice and Jonathan Mingo. So, you know, those are the sort of names that I've got in the same area as Tank Bigsby right now. And I don't know. I mean, round two wide receivers go into those sort of situations. Um, you know, there's there's similar upside with both. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally have Bigsby over those guys just because it's taking me a while to at least metabolize those guys draft uh, position in relation to their prospect profile. But I, I think as we get further into the rookie evaluation process post NFL draft, I, I could be on your side, Trey. I'm still kind of deciding there. But well, and it's for easier now, for me because I had Rice over Bigsby uh, coming into the weekend. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, for now, I, I have Bigsby uh, a good amount ahead of uh, those kind of lacking profile second and third round receivers. But We'll see how it plays out. We'll keep the conversation going. And speaking of keeping the conversation going, the next pick uh, going into day three, first pick that came off the board in the fourth round was out of the University of Texas, Roshan Johnson, the second Texas running back picked it, uh, picked in this draft, 115th overall to the Chicago Bears. All right, Mitch, uh, Roshan Johnson, he's kind of been a little bit of a dynasty darling throughout this uh, evaluation process, player profiler. The guys over there have loved Roshan Johnson throughout the whole thing. Right now, Roshan Johnson on player profilers dynasty ranks rookie number ten overall. So okay, a lot of signal. <laughs> those, I mean, those are those are sharp guys at player profilers. So you know, I want to laugh as well. And I've also been a little bit below consensus on consensus on Roshan Johnson throughout the whole process. But let's give him a fair shake here because he was a fourth round pick that is not a death knell for running backs. He did go to the Bears, another ambiguous backfield. What are you thinking in terms of the Texas Longhorn? Uh, well, I, I wasn't a big fan before the draft, and I'm even further away from that now. I, I think the Bears really clogged the toilet when it comes to their running back room. Like, it's disgusting. The 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 Like, I'm a former Khalil Herbert guy and I, I feel like what they did is they they added added a couple more Khalil Herberts uh, by the name of Deonta Foreman and Roshan Johnson and so what we have is just kind of like a like we got a, a pretty big bruising running back core but I don't I don't like any of these guys in in that room anymore and I I I just don't I don't see what they're seeing what the what the Debbie guys are seeing in Roshan it depends on cost, right, Trey? Because like, yeah, I don't like the murkiness of the backfield that much in terms of evaluating who's going to be the guy there or whatever. But if all of them are, you know, RB3, RB4 territory and dynasty value, I mean, there's value to be captured here, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I that fourth round running back, I, that's not like a big commitment by the Chicago Bears. So we, we should definitely, you know, should factor that in. Uh, I had him as a mid third before the draft. He is a mid third after the draft. Uh, so he did not move up for me uh, very much at all. And we talked about Tank Bigsby. I'd much rather have Bigsby than Johnson. Uh, we talked about Hendon Hooker. And you guys know how I feel about day two quarterbacks. I'd rather have the upside of Hendon Hooker than Johnson. Um, and, you know, I'm just okay being late on a guy who didn't have a great profile coming into the draft who went day three. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And being late, because how high could Roshan Johnson really go? Because he's slow. He's just, he's a slow, bruising dude that I really don't think that there's that part of the game that's going to ever allow him to be a top running back. So if you want to buy later, I'm into that. Yeah, I, I think in terms of like talent and like running the ball, I've seen a lot more out of Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert, even as college players than I saw out of Roshan Johnson. Now I am not a professional tape evaluator. Like I, I am just a guy that watches a lot of UT football. I think Roshan Johnson was a great college running back. He runs through contact. He gets yards that are there. Maybe one more. I think Khalil Herbert and Deontay Foreman are actually both like very plus yards over expectation running backs. And I don't know that we're going to get that out of Roshan Johnson. So right now, I'd be if I'm making a bet on the murky backfield, I'm still making the bet on Herbert and Foreman than Johnson. And I think there's in that order people out there. I think there's plenty of people out there that would trade you those guys for the opportunity at Johnson. So we'll see how the values shake out. But I did rise on him. He is now more like a late second pick for me where he was, you know, in the third round before the draft. Um, But even at the late second, I don't think you're going to get him in a lot of places. There's. There's always going to be somebody in your draft uh, that is high on Roshan Johnson, it seems. All right, moving on to the next guy, uh, Izzy Abaniconda, Israel Abaniconda out of the University of Pittsburgh, went 143rd overall to the New Jersey Jets. All right, Trey, we're going to be moving a little bit fast through the last couple of prospects here, but give us your quick thoughts on Izzy Abaniconda. So this was another guy sort of similar to Johnson that had a lot of fans pre-draft, even though he's sort of an imperfect prospect. Uh, I did move him down uh, from an early third value to a late third value. Uh, I don't love the landing spot. Obviously, I don't love the fifth round draft capital. Uh, I mean, the Jets backfield is kind of interesting, but, you know, obviously he'll be buried behind Brees Hall when he returns to health, whenever that day comes. Uh, But in the meantime, he's still got Michael Carter and Bam Knight to compete for touches. I just don't see a ton of upside for a Banacanda at all. So because of that, I don't really want to spend much more than like a uh, a mid third rounder at the earliest. Yeah, I like him. I, I I agree with you though. He's behind Knight and Carter, and I don't know. I, I feel like he could be the guy that would get like would be thrust into the lead role if uh something happened to Brees again because I just think he's more versatile than those guys. But yeah, it, it's tough to take him earlier than like the mid third. I agree. Yeah. Uh it's funny. We're getting into these like handcuff dart throw running back range and it seems like I am higher on all of them than y'all. I, I have him more like an early third. Um just because of the speed and the explosiveness, like if he gets a shot, uh, I think he could vault uh to that RB2 spot. Uh, behind Brees Hall earlier rather than later. Um, But again, I'm not saying that's a likely outcome. All right, next guy, end of the fifth round, 163rd overall. The Bengals took Chase Brown out of Illinois. Mitch, what you thinking? Yeah, Tarek, this is the guy you should take instead of Izzy as well. The Bengals waited till the fifth to take a running back, which, you know, uh, it's kind of an indication for Mixon as well, but I, I really like the landing spot here. Um, I, I don't know who still needs to hear this, but Joe Mixon is a goddamned idiot, and the Bengals told him to take a pay cut if, uh, uh, or they were going to cut him. So that's how that's going 
So let's not overthink this too much. Uh, the Bengals are a really good team. They let P. Ryan walk. Uh, they only have Travion Williams on the roster. So I think Brown slots right into that number two role. And uh, yeah. Samaje so, so P. Ryan's gone. Yeah, P. Ryan's yeah. in Denver now. I, I completely agree with you, Marles. I think uh, the landing spot here is clearly better than the Jets. Uh, I agree. I like the upside here. I think he's got a clearer path to getting the RB2 job than a Banacanda does for the Jets. Yeah, he's got and, it. And 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 we love the athleticism that he showed mm-hmm. at, at the combine, right? So he was maybe the winner of the uh, the underwear Olympics. So yeah, I like Chase Brown as a mid third for sure. I I had Chase Brown one spot behind Izzy in my ranks because I am an idiot and did not know that Samaji Pirine was not there anymore. Now that I know that, I am moving Chase Brown ahead of Abani Kanda. So appreciate you guys. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, moving along here. Eric Gray out of Oklahoma went 172nd overall. I believe that's in the sixth round to uh, the New York Giants. A little bit of ambiguity here in terms of Saquon Barkley's contract situation. He wants a new deal. He's currently under the franchise tag. He is threatening a Le'Veon Bell-style holdout. We'll see what happens, but uh, Trey... Eric Gray, a little bit of a late riser for me personally in our rookie evaluation process ahead of the draft. Do you have any thoughts on Eric Gray here? Yeah, yeah. So this is actually the end of the fifth round uh, for the Giants. Um, gotcha. I've got him in the same tier as Izzy. I would, um, I'd like him in the late third. Uh, I think it's a very similar situation to Izzy. Uh, he's going to be buried behind Barkley, who's the fucking man. Uh, there's no guarantee he gets those RB2 reps. Um, I mean, he's got competition with Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell, who we don't think are very good, but we've seen them year in, year out be, you know, waiver wire pickup type players. So the thing, things I like about Eric Gray, though, he did have nice pass catching production at OU. He had a 12.3% target share. So he's got that aspect to his game. And going into the draft, he had a 6.22 grade from Lance Zerline, which is, you know, projecting to be like an average starter. Uh, so I, I think at the end of the third round, that's actually pretty good value for uh, the fifth round pick, Eric Gray. I, I actually wanted to sprinkle in a little something, too. Uh, I just watched a bunch of film on Eric Gray today because I thought I was going to hate him, but uh, just based on his measurables and, and whatnot. But I, I really actually liked his patience and his vision. And so I think this dude could put up legitimate points if he was put into a position to do so. Now, I don't think that he's ever going to like be the man like like Saquon or anything like that, but like, you know, he he could put up some some decent numbers on 10 to 15 touches. So, like he's you said, he's definitely got a good chance to be better than Gary Brightwell if Saquon is not playing or gets hurt. I, or Brita. Brita's I mean, he's pretty fast, but he's also pretty old and he's pretty damn old. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um Completely agreed. All right, last guy before honorable mentions. Uh, We're skipping over a couple of running backs here just because I wanted to address a guy who went 215th overall to the Los Angeles Rams, Zach Evans out of Ole Miss. The reason I wanted to kind of skip over a few guys and talk about Zach Evans is because early on in the process, Zach Evans was like my running back five. Obviously, he has slid significantly for me uh, falling this far in the NFL draft, but yeah, I mean, guys like Noah Hills really love Zach Evans and and the the burst and speed and power that he played with uh, in his junior year at Ole Miss. Mitch, uh, 
I feel like the Rams are also a reasonably ambiguous backfield. I guess you could call Cam Akers a winner out of the weekend, but uh, how do you feel about Zach Evans? I know you were also a fan of his explosiveness when we did the running back episode. Exactly, and uh, I am a fan of Zach Evans. I am a noted non-fan of Cam Akers, so I think this is a pretty cool landing spot for him. I don't think Kyron Williams is any good either, so... I think there's a very reasonable chance that Zach Evans works his way into some touches, but I have to agree. I mean, I have to concede that Cam Akers definitely looks look, looks better than he did pre-draft. I, I will say that. Guys, I mean, Zach Evans went 215 overall. Like, we can't say he's better than anybody on an NFL roster. Like, that. there's no signal there whatsoever. I, I This is one of the biggest fallers in the draft for me. I literally just took him in the second round of our rookie mock uh, last week. I wouldn't take him before the top of the fourth round now in rookie drafts. Uh, we got to recognize that the teams passed on him for more than five rounds before the Rams, who aren't going to be competitive, took a shot on him. This is really bad signal for Evans. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I mean you, end, you got on, a good point. <laughs> I'm, Trey, I'm, all right? No, I'm more, I, but I am more end of third for Evans. And, you know, there are guys behind him that didn't even get drafted that I also think are worth, you know, a pick in the early fourth or something like that. So I, I think Zach Evans, I'm not going to be, obviously he's slid from me from being more like a mid second round pick to a late third, early fourth. So we're right in lockstep here, but I did really like Zach Evans tape. I did really like, you know, some things about his profile, including his explosiveness and his, you know, tendency to break off chunk plays. I think things like that translate really well to the NFL. So the opportunity cost at the end of the third, early fourth is so low that just like go after the running backs that you think could make a dent in the NFL. And if you don't hit, who cares? I just just don't want to oversell the guy after falling as far as he did. We're talking about guys that are almost on waivers, though, so you, you can't <laughs> oversell them too, too yeah, much. Yeah, I'm not trying to oversell him per se. I, I'm just saying, like, at his cost now, which is going to be late third, early fourth, I think he's worth taking a shot on. Moving on to honorable mentions, I will go with the first one here. And speaking of guys who the NFL passed on, Sean Tucker uh, was an undrafted free agent. He did end up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, And the thing about Sean Tucker as an undrafted free agent that I think is worth mentioning is he got more guaranteed money as a UDFA than a lot of sixth and seventh round picks, right? So that is at least a little bit of signal there that he was a priority add for Tampa uh, after the fact. And Sean Tucker, there's a lot I like about his profile. I think Rashad White is fine, Um, but behind Rashad White, like... Nobody's afraid of Keyshawn Vaughn, right? So Sean Tucker, another guy that I think you should consider adding uh, with those mid-fourth round picks that are just uh, burning a hole on your roster. I like it, man. That's a good taxi squad addition for sure. Uh, I have a couple honorable honorable mentions. I have two I want to shout out. Uh, so the first one is Evan Hole, uh, running back out of uh, Northwestern. He went, oh, Wildcats. he went in the fifth round to Indianapolis. I would have him right in that same tier as Izzy and Eric Gray, like right in that late third range. He had a really good burst score, uh, 81st percentile, and he had a good college target shares. Actually, 17.3% college target share. That's That's really, really fucking elite. And Mitch, you took him in our uh, rookie mock uh, Mm -hmm. before the draft, right? 
Yeah, I really liked him. I actually was debating over taking him in the mid-third of the draft I was just in. Um, I, I love him as a handcuff to Jonathan Taylor. I mean, we saw what happened last year when Jonathan Taylor went down. A running back in Indy is not a bad thing to be. And yeah, Evan Hull has shown that he's pretty good. So yeah, I like him. One more honorable mention here because Tark, you already mentioned Sean Tucker. And the thing I like about Tucker in this range is he's kind of an outlier, right? Like great, great production. We think he only really fell because of medical issues. So we don't really have a ton of comps for guys like that. So I think in general, a good philosophy is go for the outlier type players in the fourth round. So I want to shout out Deuce Vaughn who is freaking tiny, but he went <laughs> as a sixth round pick to the Dallas Cowboys. I really like this landing spot for Vaughn. I think we've seen in the past, Dallas has used guys as the satellite back role, like Lance Dunbar. We saw a satellite back like Tariq Cohen uh, get tons and tons of production in Chicago a couple years ago. I think that's the sort of upside that Cohen type season that you, uh, you know, take this dart throw on with Deuce Vaughn in the fourth round. I like it. Yeah, shout out to uh, Nepo baby Deuce Vaughn. Uh, his dad, Chris Vaughn, is a scout for the Cowboys. So little bit of nepotism there. But like Trey said, uh, he was really good at Kansas State. Really freaking so good. He, he is a small boy. But, He's very um, small. Would, uh, would, would be fun for him to uh, be a Tariq Cohen style player at the next level. You know All who's right, not guys. fun? That's Kenny McIntosh. Oh, you got a shout out here? You got an honorable mention? It's not fun that he landed there because uh, isn't he the the pass catching guy? Where did he land? Georgia. He uh, Seattle. So we talk about like Kenneth Walker losing more more pass catching opportunities. <laughs> Dude, that aren't was you guys seventh, excited? <laughs> that was a seventh round pick. I'm not afraid of a seventh round pick for <laughs> Kenneth Walker. Yeah. Um, he was a dishonorable mention a couple episodes back, I feel like. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, that is going to do it for episode 85 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. Went through the quarterbacks and the running backs that were drafted in the 2023 NFL draft. Next episode, we will talk about pass catchers, of which there are many. So oh, yeah. we will see y'all then. All right, that was fun. Later, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.